You're listening to the music podcast with Dave and Neil. The music podcast with Dave and Neil. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the music podcast with Dave and Neil. Um, it's a very exciting day for us, Neil. Mm. Uh, we are joined today uh, by Kim and Jules from the presets. Woo! Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Look, it's very exciting. Look, it's a big day for us. Big day for you guys, of course. Um, International Donut Day today. Um, don't know if you guys realize that. Uh, yeah, we're two, two of the biggest donuts around. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, a very, yeah, it's a very exciting day. There is a Grumpy Donuts uh, around the corner. We are at Vienna People. Sorry, Michael, I will plug that. Vienna People Studios in Annandale. Yep. So yeah, so we're close to some... Do- Have you guys uh, partaken, celebrated today um, in International Donut Day? Have we day? punched a few donuts today? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm saving myself a donut whole day. That's a thing. Yeah, yeah, it is now. Oh, good. Oh, really? yeah. Wonderful. Very nice. It's good. The next day. <laughs> but, <And> but more <laughs> seriously, uh, you guys, of course, uh, also exciting day because uh, you are releasing your brand new album, High Viz, today. Uh, congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. It's, uh, yeah. it's a great feeling. It's, it's a weird <laughs> feeling. Yeah, it is a weird feeling. Um, I mean, we, it's funny because we, 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 we handed in the album to our record company like six months ago. Sure. So that was our High Viz release day. Yeah. We were like high-fiving and, you know, celebrating then. Yeah. Um, but it's certainly nice to, um, yeah, release it to the general the general hordes today. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Usually when you do press or interviews, you're, you know, it's the lead-up to the album. It's coming out next week. Are you excited? Like, but now that it's out, like, what, what have you guys been doing? Just accepting texts and calls? Um. Uh, not really. I yeah. haven't really been inundated with any like you know messages from people congratulating. Yeah, um, so anyone out there listening? Come on, be a mate. Thank you. <laughs> Let's have some love. I feel like we should plug the music as well because um, I've heard the album. I loved it. The music gave it four and a half stars. Throw mm. the music. Yeah. How, I mean, as far as as this album compared to the others, how do you guys feel as far as comparing it to each other? The sound, direction. Yeah, I mean, every album's different. I mean, we're kind of like pushing forward with the same idea that we always do. You know, it's funny, like last couple of years, I went back and listened to some of the older stuff like Blow Up Mm. and um, Beams and, you know, found that there was just quite a lot of similarities in what we were making now as to what we were making back then. Obviously, there's lots that's changed, Um, particularly with the last record, which was a bit more introspective and a bit more songwriting focused. Um, and perhaps the energy was a little bit sort of muted. Mm. This album in comparison is, is sort of way more up for it. It's um, way more fun. And, you know, it's, it's not something that's entirely new to us. It's just more mm. focused, laser focused on, on an idea of energy and fun um, and sort of a simplicity and color. Mm. How does that sort of happen? Like, obviously... You know, each album, you know, you feel like it's got this really distinct difference, you know, um, and you can kind of look at that and go, great, these three albums are all their their things and this has this particular energy. Mm. How do you think, like, what's the context that creates that? Is that something you guys think about intentionally and go, you know, we want to make an album full of bangers this time? You know, we want to make a high energy album? Or- well, I mean, it's, it's funny. We're actually making this record for quite a few years and at the end of like the second or the third year, we had, you know, 50 ideas that we really liked some that were fully formed, others that were just kind of, oh, I really like this mood of this or I really like this beat. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were a little bit lost because, you know, where do you go? You know, you can only fit a certain amount of songs on one record before it becomes boring. Um, 
luckily we have got a really great A&R guy that we send it all to and and he was really instrumental in helping us kind of, you know, to solidify our vision for this record. When we started making it, we wanted it to be fun. We knew that. Um, but he was like, why don't you just kind of maybe put a few, a few of the melancholy sort of electro pop, you know, ballady type ones to the side and just focus on everything that is a banger. Yeah. Um, and he thought he sort of thought that that would be a really great contrast to the last record. And it was something that we both really agreed with. And then we just, yeah, sort of set out to kind of execute that. Because that, that's really interesting because this idea of kind of like, you know, you curate a, a career or you curate like a body of work. Choose your own adventure, I think. <laughs> yeah, <it's called. laughs> exactly. But, um, you know, to, to know that you guys had 50 songs, possibly enough for another album, mm. another two albums. Three albums. albums three maybe, albums, yeah. 10 albums, you yeah. know, however many albums. Um, you know, what goes about making that call of, of going, because there has been a little bit of a gap since mm-hmm. your last album, yeah. um, going rather than sort of releasing two albums over the course of, of the six years, waiting out going, no, no, this is the next sort of entry into our, into our body of work. Yeah, well, I, I, it, does, it takes a lot of time to get the album right. You know, I mean, the, the, just the song Do What You Want alone must have probably has 50 or 60 versions of it. Um, mm. So if, if we were going to, if we put out two records in this time, they probably wouldn't be very good you know it takes a long time to really distill every idea down to make it the best it can be mm. um but yeah it's going to be interesting to sort of revisit some of the other material and see if there's anything there that's worth you know putting out it's funny i feel like um we sort of put the same amount of energy into making a song that we would probably have um, previously put into making an album mm. so you know it really did feel like we went down a massive journey with every song and um, you know, some songs were kind of made, um, you know, as a c- c- collection of three or four, maybe even six different songs of mm. previous ideas that were kind of cross-pollinated and brought them together. So um, it's definitely the most, you know, we spent a lot of time on this record because I think of just the amount of detail that we went to to make every song. Yeah, I mean, I ask a lot of bands as well because every successful band have a hit. You guys have had a string of consecutive hits, especially after Apocalypse. So did you guys feel any pressure to have to deliver another hit? Or do you just go, you know what? People like it. That's great. We'll do what we fucking want. And if they like it again, awesome. Another day, another hit. That's what I always say. <laughs> banger after banger I mean, banger there's never after been any, any pressure on us from anyone else to, to, to do anything. Sure, or, sure. I mean, I guess... And, and, you know, we're aware of, you know, what works, what we've made, what works and what doesn't work. And, and certainly when we were making Pacifica, you know, um, we were conscious that My People was our biggest hit. And, mm. you know, we, we, we even attempted to write a few more My People's, mm. you know, the sequels to that song. And at the time, they, they just kind of stank a little bit to us. It just didn't feel right. It didn't excite us in the same way that it did the first time around when we made it. Mm. Um and so that that's why we ended up making Pacifica the way we did because it was just all the material at the time that felt right to us in a mm. way that we could produce it that felt right to us as a band, you know. And then so likewise this time around, um, you, you know, we've had we've got an idea in our head and we're just trying to execute it as best we can with the material that we've got. Yeah. But there's never any pressure from outside. I mean, I guess we've got our own pressure that we want to make the music as good as we can. Mm. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't say no one's kind of putting pressure on us from outside. 
It is interesting as well because, I mean, I know this is a topic that Dave is passionate about. I know you guys are as well, which is, of course, the current state of the Sydney nightlife. Um, you guys have obviously been massive in Sydney and Australia for, for many, many years now mm. and have delivered an album that is high energy, that is reminiscent of those good times. Yes. What is your current take on, on Sydney right now? Uh, look, I don't think either <laughs> of us are really qualified to, to <laughs> so, sort of talk about it because um, we probably don't find ourselves out that late these days. Yeah, You know, sure. we both have anyway. young families. Yeah. And, um, but... You know, I, I mean, I do, you know, you do see that there's so many venues that have closed mm. and, and you sort of do wonder how um, a culture that, that really helped um, develop a band like the presets or, you know, whatever, how that can sort of help develop younger artists. Mm. You know, yeah. where, where are they going to, to, to make the music for people to jump around to? And I guess maybe that's why there has been so much sort of downbeat music recently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. they don't know what it's like to go and to a sweaty club yeah but um i think there's still places that are making it work and you know people are sort of figuring out ways to kind of have their fun day clubs and stuff like that are starting up um you know i think where there's a will there's a way and people will make things work it's not ideal Mm. but you know these i the sort of ideals that we have doing this sort of music and the energy that it is it's it's you can't be contained, you know. It yeah. needs to find a way out. So if, if someone's got that, they'll they'll make that work. I mm, think. Yeah. And it's funny actually. I mean, the, the, in in our back of our minds, the era we were trying to reconjure, you know, when we're making high viz was was that early era for the presets when we we're playing, you know, Club Seventy Seven and Candy's Apartment and all those kind of small sweaty clubs in East Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was a real rocking time for us when you'd be in a tiny room playing to 50 people. Um, and I, that doesn't sort of seem to exist in the same way anymore. But it certainly was a touchstone for us for making this new album. Yeah. I mean, you guys did play a warehouse. You, you kind of launched and ran the warehouse. But when was that? I think earlier this year? It was, li- it was at Late the end of last year. year yeah. yeah. So how did that... What was the turnout? How did that work out for you guys? Were people receptive to it? Oh, or was it was sick. It was yeah. so fun. It was yeah. awesome. You know, like playing in a warehouse is great because, you know, it sounds shit. The music like reflecting off all the surfaces yeah and from a technical point of view it's the worst yeah. but from an <laughs> aesthetic point of view it's mad like yeah. you know nothing sounds as kind of you know nothing gets the juices flowing like a warehouse and yeah. also you know there's no air con people are just dripping with sweat yeah it's the best yeah, yeah. that was awesome it kind of feels like there's like a very romantic side of doing like a warehouse gig. Yeah, totally. It's a, it's a hard task, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but you come out feeling like rinsed, yeah. so yeah. it's good. So, I mean, you guys are about to go on tour, um, kicking off very, very soon. I mean, how, how do you guys approach like a, a more traditional kind of um, album tour if, if the dream is to be getting sweaty in warehouses? <laughs> I guess we've always, we've played tiny gigs to 30 people you know, and we've played, you know, the Christopher Street Day Parade in Berlin to like, you know, in front of like a hundred thousand people. You know, and everything mm. in between. Um, and we I, we've always just tried to bring the presets, vibe, and energy, and sort of shine it on the room, whatever, who, whatever's in front of us, whatever situation we're at. Mm. Um, we don't really kind of adapt our show to fit any particular space. We mm. sort of just do our thing, don't we? Whether it's the Enmore Theatre or a warehouse or yeah, or you know, or a cricket stadium. Mm. Does oh. it? 
Okay. Uh, please, Neil. Please. Well, it's unrelated. If it's, it's a follow up to that. It was a follow up. If I'm going to jump in go, there, go, go. guys, um, guys, guys, <laughs> one at a time. <laughs> this is this is the risk you run when you have two boys uh, on this side of the mic. Tell us about it. Yeah. Um, well. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, I was going to ask about like uh, you know the set list. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you've got this huge back catalogue, uh, but the, you know, you're introducing this new album as well. What is is there pressure to kind of go? 50-50 or you're like, no, no, we've got this new stuff. We really want to showcase this new stuff. Yeah, look, I think, you know, you're definitely there to showcase some new stuff and you're also definitely there to play stuff that people yeah. want, have come to see. Mm. Um, yeah, it's getting harder and harder, isn't it? Mm. Like, it's it's harder and harder to figure out what to play and, and um, what to leave off and what to include. Um, but, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a fun puzzle, I guess, yeah. you know. I think Kim leans more towards the... We got to show the case the new stuff, and I lean more towards the come on, man. We got to play our hits, mm. and yeah. together we 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 form a, a set list that sort of <laughs> yeah. satisfies the both of us. Mm. You know? Yeah, and and you know it's 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 funny. I, we you know um, oh, I forget it. I lost I lost what I was gonna say. I yeah. had something really good. But edit it. that out. Can <laughs> yeah, we'll just, yeah. just cut it out. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> fuck! 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 <laughs> um, do, does it shift? Like, does the set list sort of shift night to night? Gig to gig, city to no, city. No, no, it, it it does, and we had sort of ideas that maybe we'd do some alternate set lists. But I mean, mm. you know, we put our show together. Um, making a set list for any band, you know, you, you realise some things work really well at the beginning, some things work well at the end, mm. and some things are good segues, you know. Um, and then with our music, we literally blend it, so it's sort of mixing like a DJ from track to track. Yeah, you can't sort of change that around every night, you know. And then we've we're commissioning content and visuals and all those videos and things to go with it. And so at the end, there's not enough, not really much room to jam on stage. Totally. Hey man, let's, let's keep jamming this outro, you know, cause <laughs> yeah. we can't really do that. We've got three seconds to get to the next song. <laughs> yeah, yeah totally. exactly. It's, um, it's cool that you guys mentioned, you know, the, the visuals, cause you guys have always been a band that I associate being tied so much into like visual aesthetic as well. Um, you know, consistently your music videos, um, have, been kind of defining uh, sort of what music videos can kind of be um, in Australia and in the dance scene. So I'd love to hear about kind of that process and how important sort of that connection and symbiosis has kind of been for you guys and your music. Yeah, I guess, you know, just from as being music fans and kids growing up listening to music and watching Rage and stuff, like Mm. it's always been really important to us, great videos. Yeah. you know, and not all of our videos are great, no, they're, but they've always been fun, um, more or less. Uh, Favorite? I mean, they're, they're all great. Um, are you the ones? Are you the ones? Yeah. And I, I was I was watching that for the first time in ten years the other day, and mm. I was laughing so much. It was so good. <laughs> yeah. But then things like um, you know, um, uh, the LA dancing one. If I know if you, if I know yep. you, you know, it's such a beautiful, beautifully shot, beautiful mm. story. You know. Um, you can't really pick a favorite. We've been very lucky to yeah. have a lot of iconic presets videos, iconic to us, you mm, know. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, I mean, you know, we're in charge of making the music, obviously, but we've got these really talented directors and artistic designers who have created the look of our, of our world, mm. you know, over the past decade and a half, um, which is such an important part of our story, which we don't have, a, we have a little bit of an input on, obviously, but not a huge amount of input. Yeah. Um, 
And we've been very lucky to have some really cool people help design that world for us. Because I guess that was what I was curious about, how much input and how sort of involved you guys are in that, because there is a consistency or at least a, a very clear evolution visually of what you guys have done. And, it, and it's, I think it's really interesting to think mm. that, you know, these collaborators have, have been able to catch on to that and kind of, you know, because I'm assuming there's a number of different sort of directors and, and designers. Yeah, well, with the, the with the artwork, it, Jonathan Zawada, a Sydney designer, has designed every single album and EP we've ever made. Mm. Um, and sometimes he'll take a lead from, from Kim or I. Well, you know, we might... I mean, like, for instance, um, many, many, many years ago, we were DJing up at Splendour in the Grass um, at one of the little side parties they had. And we were waiting for our girlfriends to arrive at the airport. So we had an hour to kill. So we went to this silly um, costume shop across the road and Kim and I found these ridiculous masks, these scary kind of... Clear mask, clear human face mask, so you could see mm. your own face behind. And you, you know the ones, yeah, yeah. Um, and we thought that was so funny, you know. So we bought them, and then we picked up our girlfriends wearing them, and they freaked out, you know. <laughs> and then, and then, and then we wore them, and we DJed, and, and you know, everyone, it just really went down so well, and it sort yeah. of unleashed this crazy characters inside of us. Mm. Um, and this, so then we showed these masks to to Jonathan, a designer, and then he took that idea and really kind of ran with it, you know. So yeah. when, we, when we made Apocalypso, for instance, we had these, or even Beams, you know, we had mm. these crazy masks in the cover. So often that the, these, and same with Chris Moyes, the director who does, who's done a lot of our videos, these guys are sort of family or they're friends of ours and they'll take little cues and leads from us, but then they'll really blow them up into these amazing sort of worlds. Yeah, right. Talking about though, those crazy attires and masks as well, because that just reminded me of, you know, Empire of the Sun, like Luke Steele loves to dress up. Um, the new collaboration with Daniel Jones in Dreams. Um, you know, Daniel says it's really important to him to kind of have yeah. a facade on stages. Is that important to you guys, or is it more just about? Mm. It it's, we've been very, we've been very influential in that way. <laughs> 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 just wearing clean masks. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think there's so, there is something to be said about kind of getting up on stage and be, you know behind uh, a mask or something like that to kind of unleash you know, uh, another side to you, mm -hmm. you know, it's almost like permission granted to kind of go crazy. Um, I certainly remember like when, when, um, Jonathan Zawada found these like Harlequin masks for the cover of beams and, yeah. and I put it on and I literally felt like I was going mad. You know, I think that these masks have a certain, when, when you sort of look at yourself in the mirror and you've mm. kind of, your features have changed, mm makes you kind of go crazy yeah. uh, in a good way. So um, I think that's something that's, you know, like it's definitely something in rock and roll. Like, you know, Kiss is a band that would have done that. Daft Punk is a band that would have done that. Like, you know, they just, it, it, it's a way to feel a bit larger than life mm. and a bit more, you know, comfortable doing something that's mm. pretty it's terrifying. I think Slipknot have done it for like close to 20 years and they've had a, like, a couple of band members pass out on stage. Yeah, right. yeah How long sure. did you guys last for you that we have to get these masks off? Oh, we never really <laughs> perform with those kind of masks <laughs> on stage. Yeah. But it's funny. But Just our you, skin masks. Even yeah. when you get on stage, you do almost have to put on an outfit yeah. mentally, you know, because, mm. you, you know, I guess the Kim and Jules that, that you, you see walking down the street, they're a bit different to the guys. Here I am like a footballer talking about us in third person. <laughs> um, but we're different to the guys that get on stage. They're almost characters on stage mm. a bit, you know, especially me when I'm singing all the songs, like often different characters, like, you know, Are You The One and stuff. They're these kind of different characters that have been written about. Um, 
that's not really me. And you sort of have to inhabit a bit of a character. You've got to be a bit larger and larger than life when you're on mm. stage, even if you're not wearing a mask. Was that something that, that happened? Was that something that you, you discovered? Or has that always been the case when you guys have been performing? The idea of having to inhabit a character? Yeah, I've totally discovered, don't you think? Yeah, I, think, I don't think it was, we were really like that. Like it, we had a band before the presets called Prop, and that was very different. Like we didn't feel like we had to inhabit a character. You just get up on stage and, you know, communicate through music and let yourself be swept away. But with the presets, it was very different, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it's a different kind of energy and you're channeling uh, a a different sort of part of you and amplifying that. Um, So, yeah, I guess, yeah, we stumbled on it just through the process. Yeah, I remember the first gig we ever played as the presets was at Moulin Rouge, this old club. In, in the King's Cross mm. um, and I felt terribly uncomfortable on stage I didn't quite know what to do you know and mm. then uh, over the next two or three shows I started to get a bit more boisterous and kind of move around a bit and just be a little bit larger than trying to get a bit larger than life and it sort of felt right for the music yeah. and um, yeah sort of worked ever since how did you guys adapt to that? Because, I mean, you mentioned when you started out playing, you know, in clubs of 50 people. Mm. And since then, you've played to stadiums. Yeah. Is that something you have to mentally adapt to? It's like, ah, fuck it. Doesn't matter who's out there. We'll just do what we do. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it, the, the physical aspect of it is very different when you're, when, when you're on a big, you know, when you're in an arena or a stadium. Yeah. Um, and the energy of the crowd is, is immense. And it can be really hard. It can knock you off your stool. Mm. Um if you don't really know how to keep calm through it. Like I played drums for the first time in years last night, um, you know, for our album launch. And, you know, I'd have forgotten what it's like sitting on the drums with the crowd in front of you. Like, you know, you really have to kind of work through it and breathe. And, you know, it can just be, you can feel like you're going to fall off your stool the mm. whole time. Yeah. Mm. yeah wow. How did your original fans, like, you know, because you guys were a very important part of the, of the Sydney dance, the Australian dancing. Um, and when you guys started to get bigger and, and you're getting, you know, number one singles, you're getting ARIA nominations, you're going to the ARIAs, did those original underground fans embrace that or were they very, oh, presets are selling out? Um, I don't think there was any of that, but no. I'm sure there was. Look, oh, yeah, you know, sure. they, they, every time you, we release a song, someone says, this is not our sound. Yeah. And then <laughs> someone, you know, but then we release another yeah. album with another song and then you know someone else says it's not our sound like yeah. you can't we're, we're done with like you know listening to people uh yeah. about whether or not we're selling out or any of that sort of stuff we mm. do what's right for us and um well there's usually a thousand people that will say that it is as well. yeah exactly exactly right. you know win some lose some yeah and there's something so absurd about you guys literally releasing a song mm. and someone saying that's not your sound like but i promise you i promise you we made it <laughs> it's, it's usually as well the people who say that people sell out the most mm-hmm. it's when they start getting success like do you want this yeah. act or band to not start getting we've been success? on the precipice sometime like i was saying before when we were making pacifica you know and we were trying the my people thing again um that would have been like a crossroads for us where you know you can think of like I used to say, you know, like, I used to say to Kim, like, if we're going to have a death, let's have a good death. Mm. You know, let's make an album that we really love. And if, and if, and if, and if anything we ever do flops, let's do it with, with pride, you know. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, the worst, very worst thing would be to have a, a bad death. And, you know, I, you know, I'm always focusing on the negatives. But, yeah, if you sort of made my people again and again and people sort of started to think it stank, you know, that would be selling out, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, 
it's funny, but selling the selling out Horton, three Horton pavilions is not the same as selling out. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah. yeah you, so, can, you can play the Horton with integrity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can do it with integrity, that's right. What, what is your take on, on the Australian dancing right now? I mean, I mentioned before Dreams. Um, mm. Obviously, Luke has had a lot of success there, and, and Daniel's kind of jumped in there now, um, and they're making waves. You guys are back with a great new album. Um, is it healthy, the dancing? I, we, look, I don't... Again, I don't know if we're qualified to really comment. We... Um, I think there's a, there's some really great people releasing music in Australia um, right now, um, ourselves included, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, and I think it's been so it's been really healthy over the last few years. I mean, ever since you know we kind of started and and that wave of modular came through, and mm. you know um, you know sh- certainly the energies have changed. But God, like P- Flume is huge mm. and in, internationally huge, and. Um, you know, this it's it's super healthy. Like yeah. I think it's great. I mean, look, Alice in Wonderland, yeah. Ruth yeah. Brufus, and uh, Flight, Flight facilities. facilities. I mean, there's yeah. so many bands doing Golden some features. great stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And a couple of these, I mean, like Alice in Wonderland obviously appears on on the new album was a collaborator for this one as well as a bunch of other names. Uh, what was that like in inviting all these these outsiders into play with you guys on on this record? It was fun. It was fun. Yeah, it was yeah. fun. I mean, you know, it was a it was a it was a wacky concept and it sort of took us a while to kind of get comfy with it. Um but you know, it was we wanted this record to be as colorful and have as much variety as possible and the way the, the obvious ways that we thought that would be the most effective is if we got other people in on different instruments or other people yeah. in to sing as guests and um you know, it, it started in, in like very sort of incremental ways and then it, it sort of turned into, oh, let's get Alice in Wonderland to sing that song that you're song. not you yeah. know, feeling super comfortable about singing. Yeah, yeah sure. So it was cool though. I mean, like getting back to that, that splendid DJ spot I was telling you about mm. that we did like 15 years ago. Um, you know, back at those crazy gigs, we'd, we'd DJ, we'd play a Sonic Youth track and then we'd play a... Public Enemy track, and then we'd play Lionel Richie, you know, and, and everyone would be jumping around, just going ape, having having fun. And I guess we wanted to make a record that felt, you know, exciting and fun, like those DJ mixes, mm. but that had a bit of a preset sort of character and preset line running through it. Yeah. So getting the other voices on, yeah, it was a really really cool idea. So, so were any of these guests involved in the writing process as well? Um, some some were, yeah, some were. Like uh, we co-wrote the DMA's track with those guys. Um, Whereas the Alison one was her, yeah, it was already done, it. and she just kind of came in and, and sang on it. And it was Jake Shears, the bit that he sang on Tools Down. That's just completely him. It was just mm-hmm. him just ad libbing stuff over the back of a track we'd already written. Mm-hmm. So it's always a bit yeah, different. Cool. Very nice. Well, guys, so you're about to you're about to set off on on tour, um, which is very very exciting. Any kind of we, we have spoken about the set list, but is there any sort of uh, little little hints you can tell us about what to expect from from the shows, from the tour? Yeah, um, there's, there's a good, like I said before, there's a good cross-section of new and old. Yeah. We didn't want to sort of rely too much on staying in the comfort zone of what we knew worked. Yeah. <laughs> but um, like we played a few new ones last night and it went down really well, even though no one knew them yet. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's like just really up for it, seamless kind of party set. There is a couple of really special moments, which... We won't give away, but okay. you have to come and check it out. Very nice. Some great content, great visuals, crazy lights. 
maybe I'll wear a cap or not. Oh, all right. Okay, well, uh, to find out if that happens, uh, book your tickets now. I might be on a cap. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, thank you so much. Congratulations again, um, and we'll see you out on tour. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, guys.